that fear of not making your number, that fear of not delivering still sits there. It's still sitting on your shoulder, you know, digging at you every now and then. But then you're like, holy crap, why am I questioning it? Because this is what the universe is giving me. When I give out, it comes back tenfold, quite honestly. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Well, welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly. And if you caught last week's episode, then you already know that my favorite B word is boundaries. <laughs> but that was not always the case. Because even though I knew I needed to start being more selective about what I said yes to, or there were places where I really did need to speak up, but I was hesitant, or I just felt like I needed more time to get to what I really cared about, the idea of setting boundaries just gave me an anxiety attack. I mean, it felt like a knot in my stomach. I didn't want people to think I was a jerk or make my relationships awkward. It was just so easy to see what the cost of setting boundaries might be, right? Where the fallout might be. And really, for most women, we can't talk about boundaries without also talking about the bravery required to write ourselves the permission slip to inhabit our days with what gives us life, both at work and beyond. And so this month, when we decided to dedicate the entire month of podcast episodes to making sure that we all have solid foundation within our boundaries, I knew that today's guest was the perfect person to talk about cultivating the bravery required to set the boundaries that allow us to live into our best life and work. See, Amy Zeigert brings over 30 years of successful sales and sales strategy with Fortune 200 companies to her new podcast, Braveful. If you haven't tuned in yet, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It is phenomenal. Amy is passionate about listening and learning from high achieving women and leaning into the art of the best of what's possible when women collaborate with one another. She really walks the talk of connection and lifting people up to their fullest potential, which, you know, we're all about here. So in a moment, you're going to hear Amy and I have a very candid conversation. In fact, she shares, quite frankly, how she made a very messy exit from a big company that we've all heard of in her career and how that allowed her, even while it was messy to leave, to have a much cleaner life on the other side. She also shares exactly how she knew when it was time to make a change. And I find this really interesting. So you'll hear how she knew when the moment to start to make the shift had arrived. Now, you're also going to hear Amy share one thing that she really wished she knew about boundaries before she left her really successful career. And this insight comes straight from the conversations we have in the Boundary Academy, which is this program that I've been developing for the last two years. See, we discuss in there how boundaries aren't a wall. They aren't actually a barrier we put up between ourselves and another party or ourselves and an experience or a project. Because the truth is, by the time we need a boundary, there's already a wall there. Us and somebody else or us and another experience are operating as if we're in two different worlds. 
we've become disassociated from a shared reality, meaning we have different expectations for what should be going down in that scenario. I'll put a link to episode 65, just our last episode, where we spoke about that more. But you're going to hear Amy mention how she wished she realized that boundaries could have been a bridge and how if she hadn't armored up in her last job, things might not have needed to get quite as messy as they did. All that said, she's still entirely grateful (laughs) that things went down the way they did. Amy also brought a totally fresh perspective to boundaries for all my analytical sisters out there. Everybody who likes data and science and numbers, you're going to hear her talk about the notion of a boundary budget, meaning creating a system from which debits and credits to your personal boundary account can just be monitored so that you know when it's time to be flexible because you've got plenty in your boundary bank. And you also know when you might need to be firm without having to be swept up in analysis paralysis about debating when it's time to live into a boundary or not. So expect to walk away from this episode inspired by Amy, appreciating the hard-won wisdom she shares so generously and the invitation she makes for us not to wait until the next super crisis to start elevating our boundaries, rather how to begin to catch when something needs to be upgraded early and how to tend to what gives you life now to avoid some of those aches and pains before they ever happen. Before I get started with Amy here, let me pause and do my favorite part of the show, the shout out. And today I'm giving a short, sweet shout out to our chief of staff on our podcast, Sarah Pepelinski. Sarah is the person who introduced me to Amy and did exactly what we celebrate around here, which is women connecting women to one another. Sarah, we appreciate you on so many levels. And if you're tuning in to Messy and Magnificent right now, and there's a woman who you know or who you admire from afar who inspires you on a regular basis, please tell me about her. I would love to know who inspires you and see if maybe we can get them on the podcast too. I'll put a link in the show notes for how you can be in touch with me and talk about who you would love to have here next. And speaking of inspiring women... I hope you've RSVP to our Boundary Brunch. It's coming up this Friday, February 12th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a totally free event. I have gathered a bunch of women that I admire. Even some thought leaders from our Council of Boundary Makers are going to attend. And we're going to share very candidly what does and doesn't work in our modern economy when it comes to the territory of women setting boundaries. You can head on over to carlyfane.com to register, or I'll put the link to that here in the show notes. I would love to be in live conversation with you soon. All right, here is Amy Zygert. So here's my question for you. Okay. What in your head or your heart wants to be heard right now? That I am worthy of this world. I am worthy of what the world has to offer. And I shouldn't have to beg, plead, or borrow to get it. That's powerful, Amy. I I think, you know, because I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago around, and especially women, we need to write a permission slip to give us the permission to be who we want to be versus begging someone to see our authentic self. Oh, 
feel free to repeat that at any point in this conversation. There's something about, and maybe it's because I, I do journaling, but there's something about writing and saying it over and over again that reaffirms the joy that we all deserve. So the repetition. Yeah. Something in that way. Because how could you be reminded of that enough, especially in a culture where the messaging is different than that? You know, worth is something you earn, you prove yourself, you whatever, right? So just this idea of, yeah, I don't think we could remind ourselves of that too many times. I am worthy. Well, even before this call, I was frantically looking for my birth certificate. And so I'm adopted. So I have two birth certificates, one from my birth mother, one from my adoptive parents. And I wanted this birth certificate because I wanted to see if it had the time that I was born. Because all of right. a sudden I'm into this whole full moon thing and I'm like, huh, yeah. maybe, maybe there's, you know, maybe I can do some astrology thing, which is not me because I'm more rooted in facts versus, you know, crazy out there. And I couldn't find it. So I started thinking to myself, and my husband said to me, he goes, well, why do you care about that? Why do you need that? And I thought to myself, he's right. Why do I need that? And somewhere in my head, I thought, because it's something that is driving me crazy. And I want to understand another facet of my life. So I decided to write myself a permission slip and say, I'm going to just contact the state of Ohio and say, can you send me the long form? But um, it, it, it reminded me that sometimes you even have to give yourself permission to understand what you can and can't do. There's the message. I mean, and that's the braveful invitation, right? Because that's the gateway to bravery is understanding what you can and can't do and allowing yourself to explore what you can and can't do. And, oh, that's so powerful. Okay. So I'm just, I want to hold that too in my head, in my heart, this thing that's current for you. And, and if it shows up in conversation, great, you know, we'll take it from there. So here was the one thought I had, which is unusual is we are launching the Boundary Academy in March, which is this course we've been working on for two years. And so the whole month of February, every episode of the podcast is going to touch on boundaries, you know, just this like some introduction. And so I'm over here thinking about that. And I'm thinking, you can't talk about boundaries without talking about bravery, especially for women. Like, like, like those are two B words that go together. And so I thought that that could potentially be a thread of conversation to maybe explore your transition from sales and now starting your own podcast and the bravery that takes and the curiosity you have and maybe any place in your life where you've seen a connection between boundaries and having to summon bravery and just, I thought that could be interesting, but I didn't want to put that on. I usually show up with nothing, but this morning I just thought, yeah, but you've got a brave person here. <laughs> you can't skip talking about bravery if you're going to talk about boundaries. Yes. Yeah, so I think living in somewhat, and just, you know, for some reason, the power, this is bizarre. The power went out in my overhead light, but power didn't go out anywhere else in the room. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. The universe said, keep on talking. So I think for me, when I think about what it takes to be brave and for me to do this, is you just have to step into who you really are. You have to. And I think that's what I did when I left corporate America. I literally said, and this was actually before I left because I was struggling being in that environment anymore. And I think I just said, 
get your brave girl panties on and do something that brings you self-satisfaction and joy. Because for me, when I was in sales, I, I did it for the financial reward mm-hmm. and was very fortunate, did very, very well. And it was no longer serving me. So I just really said, I've got to lean into something that says yes, every single day. And it was scarier than shit to do this, mm-hmm. to to actually say, does somebody want to talk to me? Am I worthy of someone else's presence in my life other than my core women that I admire, adore, love, respect? It was a huge leap. And when I took the class on to build the podcast, I would never go on video. I would never speak up. Wow. That's so hard for me to imagine that because you're such a natural, you appear very comfortable and in your zone. And so uh, this is why, okay, this is why we need to have this conversation because I think we all hear the before and after story, but there's a middle there where the, where the courage has to be summoned. Right. And I think that's the part that our audience is usually interested in because they are, that's where they are. People sign up for coaching or get interested in, in these types of podcasts when they're navigating a transition or they, they sense one needs to be navigated soon. And Okay, beautiful. So maybe the flow of our conversation is a little backstory about why sales, you know, and then mm. why not sales? What served you? What didn't? And then the middle, and we'll just see. We'll just see what pops up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so why sales? I, I mean, I think I've been in sales my whole life since birth to whatever. It just became very natural for me because I loved connecting with people. And it wasn't until I got into sales that I truly found out that connecting with people isn't about me talking, it's about me listening. Mm. So that was a huge learning experience for me in my 30s that really, I think, started to set me up for success because it wasn't about me selling something, it was about me listening to something. That's huge. And and I got to take a small left turn with you if you're up for it, because one of the questions we get so often from folks who are entrepreneurial in spirit, maybe they're just getting something off the ground, Amy, is how do I do sales and not be sleazy? I don't want to look like that. And the poor, you know, the poor stereotype of the used car salesperson, you know, but like, I don't want to come across like that is always what they lead with. Right. And so I'm so, as you talk about sales, not as a form of pushing something on anybody, but it's listening. And that your drive in there was, was connection. How was your experience working in a corporate environment with that perspective? So it's interesting that you asked that because that's really the reason why I left my last corporate job because it wasn't about listening anymore. It was about creating a problem for the customer to buy into. It was almost as if you were convincing them that they had a problem. And I struggled with that. I did not believe in that. My job is to solve their problems, not to create a new problem for them. Then, you know, it became a check the box exercise and I was really uncomfortable with it. Super uncomfortable. It did not play to my strengths. I mean, I'm a business problem solver. I'm not a business problem creator. And I felt like that's what they were asking me to do is to create a problem based upon numbers to sell them something, to sell them value. What did you do when you're in this moment of 
I believe in sales as a means of connection and helping to solve a problem. I'm being asked to create problems and convince people that they have them and then sell. So here you are, things are out of alignment. They're not syncing up. So what did you do? Like, how did you begin? Like, where, where does your brain even go in that moment of, oh, this is not what I signed up for. Now what? I'm here. You've been there for a long time, right? You've been successful in sales. You're working for major companies we've all heard of. And you're having this like, oh, hold on a minute moment. I failed miserably, quite honestly. It's the first time in my life that I've ever basically cowered under the pressure versus standing up for it. And yeah, it was awful. And that's when I, I, I came to the realization that a culture that does not embrace creativity, where I can create my own box. If you're going to ask me to check a box, I'll check a box, but allow me to create the box. Allow me to put some of my own into it. And so, you know, I agreed that this was not the environment for me. And so I I slowly walked away and said, I can't do this anymore. It's no longer serving me mentally emotionally and physically. I actually went to the hospital one Sunday night thinking I was having a heart attack because the stress to make me into something I wasn't was so intense. And it just, it finally, I finally just, you know, agreed with my management team that it was time to walk away. It was time to do something that gave me joy. And I had already started working on um, the podcast with Michelle Soro and Ginny Media and, and everybody, that's where I found my joy. And I started to take the armor off of being afraid of what others would think of me. Because quite honestly, once I got out of that corporate environment, I knew I did not need that environment in order to be successful anymore. I just needed me. That's all I needed was me. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm going after, me. It's about me. I'm being self-full. Damn it. <laughs> there it is. So Amy is, is, is referencing this concept of being self-full that we've talked about on other episodes. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the full explanation. But she's talking about, we had this glorious conversation together just last week about this idea that the way we tend to ourselves is a spectrum, right? One end is being selfish and that's not the goal. And the other end is being selfless. And you and I kind of tongue in cheek laughed about how exhausting selfless folks can be to be around, right? Even though it's what we've been taught many of us to do, give it all away. But in the center is this concept of being selfful. So this month as we explore boundaries and we talk about, you know, what it looks like to live or not live into our boundaries. There's no way we can talk about you leaving this environment that wasn't working for you and and not talk about boundaries, right? And talk about things being crossed. So how did you first begin to sense that maybe there was something within yourself that you needed to reclaim, that there might be a boundary that needed to be set. Because I love your example, such a strong example of, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like that's how extreme my body was giving me information that this wasn't a match, right? But, but I'm curious, I'm guessing that it probably didn't start there, right? Were there other signs that ooh, maybe this isn't in alignment for me that were earlier on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were several. And and again, I think culture plays a really big part in who you are at work and being authentic because the real the boundaries between work and play and home life really don't exist anymore, especially during a pandemic when we are working from home, you know, not able to go into an office, we're zooming, we're whatever. 
So for me, it was really difficult to create those boundaries because it, you're always on, you're always on. But I, I knew probably a year before I actually left the corporate side that it wasn't going to work, that I needed to start creating boundaries. And the unfortunate side in corporate America, the boundaries that you create are ones that protect yourself in many different ways. So you're, you know, you're taking notes about conversations that occurred. You are building that wall versus in your words, a bridge that allows you to bring both sides together. And I built that wall. I truly, the only way that I could survive in my mind at that time was to build a wall and to stay, you know, keep that on one side of the wall, my work, and then my personal life had to stay on the other side of the wall. And unfortunately, by the time, um, you know, nine months later, I could no longer skew that they could no longer be separate. And that's when that boundary became deadly almost versus building a bridge, which I love your analogy the bridge would have been more helpful. So having that in my toolbox would have been great to have to build that bridge versus feeling the only way to survive was to build a wall. Right. You know, what What like appreciation and grace I have for the version of you in the beginning of that, that didn't know exactly how to do this, but had a survival instinct in. That while the wall wasn't the permanent fix, there's still something so beautiful about doing the best you can with where you are, with what you've got. Like it, that it did feel like a matter of survival. And so this is what I'm going to do as opposed to doing nothing, right? And this is something we, we see a lot with boundaries. Boundaries done messy can still be really effective, right? Like they don't have to be, like it might just be the gateway to the next step, right? Where then you can explore doing it in another way, but that there was something so beautifully innate about you that you could spot what wasn't working. And even if it was messy and not a long-term solution, you began to take notes, document what wasn't okay and be prepared to make a strategic leap, right? You didn't, you didn't quit overnight, but you started to be thoughtful about, Hmm, there might need to be an exit strategy here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was very messy, very messy. (laughs) (laughs) But again, I think, you know, if women understood that they could create a bridge versus a wall, that would have been extremely beneficial. And who knows, I may not have left the company. I may have been able to have repaired the relationship or even look at another opportunity that would have allowed me to bring my whole self, my authentic self to the table. Whereas in that that particular role, I felt like I was not able to do that. And that to me is an awful place to be in. Awful. Yeah. And with, with my podcast, I, I know I will, I will never be in that position again because I am braveful. I am accepting of who I am and what I can deliver because of my podcast. And I, I, will, never, I will never turn left or turn right without knowing what is fully in front of me again. So let's talk about that transition for a moment. So here you are, you're, it's time to leave. You've made the decision. You've made a, me- a messy but essential exit, right? You got out, which is the important part. Where did the idea to create the Braveful podcast come from? How did that idea visit you? It, it's wild. You know, the whole Me Too movement, and I don't want to make this about men versus women, whatever, 
but I work with so many amazing women. You know, I'm in technology. So when I first started in technology, I'd go into a, you know, a meeting and I'd be the only female there. Maybe, you know, the other token would be somebody who's there taking notes, you know, more in some form of secretarial position. And then as, you know, through the years, more and more women have come to the table. I've, I've had the opportunity to just meet great ladies. And so, you know, they're all doing great things. They may not be leading a Fortune 50 company or writing a book or, but they're doing things that matter to them. And they've been through real struggles. They've been through things that have allowed them to change the course and do something very different that allowed them to be braveful. So that's it. I mean, it's truly, I, I kind of have a list of like 75 women just to start. And then as I get to meet wonderful women like you, they get added in. And so, so that's how it got started. I really want to raise women up and create a community where they can learn from each other without blinders on, without any pretenses, just to be who they are and say what, what really moves them. You know, there was an interesting study. The University of Simmons and Harvard did a joint study a number of years ago, and they interviewed people who identify as either male or female, men and women, and and they asked them about their relationship to power and mm-hmm. and how they went about achieving it, right? And when and when they spoke with the men, the overarching answer for the reason to have power was for power's sake. Like it was actually that straightforward, which is really interesting. Like God bless them, right? They're like pretty transparent. Power for power's sake. That's the goal here, right? Um, and when they asked women why power, why live into their into their best, the overarching answer was help fulfill a need in my community or in my family, right? And there was this idea that I'm doing this for me, but for us, right? And that the way men went about achieving the power was through hierarchy. So my boss has a boss, has a boss. Goal is be the top boss, right? And But when women were interviewed, it was done more laterally. It was this idea of extending outward of when one of us rises, we all rise. We're all holding on to a rope in front of us, hope that hopefully pulls us forward. And we're all throwing a rope back, right? That we might take somebody else with us. And so I just love, you know, as you speak about this, for somebody who I know coming from technology, appreciate science and data Right, that this is more than anecdotal in our own experience, but that research also indicates that there's different models. I don't know if we're born like that, if it's nature, if it's nurture, if it's cultural, whatever it is, but there's this beautiful movement happening that you are a big part of in encouraging women to rise together. So here's the funny, like here's the human question. You and I were laughing um, a moment ago about, okay, so you get an idea to do a podcast and now you've got a podcast, but like what happened in the middle there, right? So you get this idea of, I want to interview brave, full women. How do you get to the point where it's actually happening? So one, it's, it's wild. So um, I'm cleaning out. So, you know, I'm, as I was you know, cleaning out through the pandemic, you find stuff. And I found a note from one of my bosses, a woman, phenomenal woman. And um, she said to me, you are an execution machine meaning you give it to me, I get it done. You tell me I have a number, I get it done. And I saw that before I started doing the whole podcast thing. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this now. And this was in August. And by September, I signed up. And by the end of October, my first podcast went live. And so I really, (laughs) I went back to my roots of 
selling to myself. So now I'm the customer. I'm saying you, Amy, you need to buy this. You need to buy this thought of being having a podcast in order to get to where you want to be, which is my authentic, loving self. And that's exactly what happened. I, I mean, I have goosebumps telling you this because I literally, I mean, I signed up. It was all done within a week, started, no turning back. And, and that was it, done. So I put my execution machine hat on and said, look out world, I'm coming through. <laughs> well, like, like stop the presses here for a second because I'm having an aha. Tell me if I'm getting this right. Because as you talk about sales in the beginning of our conversation as a way to connect with people and to listen, it sounds like you started with that, listening to yourself, right? Listening to this hunch you had, this idea, this, this drive, this calling, whatever you want to call it, that's saying, hey, interview braveful women. Let's have this conversation in the world. So you began with the listening and then you put on the other hat, right? Then it's like playing chess with yourself. You get to the other side of the board and you go, great, I've heard what you want. Now you got to go do it, right? And so the idea that how powerful this notion is that we can talk ourselves in or out, that we can sell ourselves on our own dreams or not, right? Exactly. It's kind of like standing at the checkout counter and you've got all that stuff in front of you, you know, where your kids used to scream for. And, you know, you could either buy the podcast or you could buy some M&Ms and walk out. I chose to buy the podcast and said, we're going, no turning back. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a conscious choice to change the trajectory of where my life was going a very conscious choice. And, you know, and I'm taking the scariness, the fear of failure. It's still in my toolbox because what happens if it doesn't work out, you know? So that's always as a salesperson, that fear of not making your number, that fear of not delivering still sits there. It's still sitting on your shoulder, you know, digging at you every now and then, but, and then you get a great conversation with you and you're like, holy crap why am I questioning it? Because this is what the universe is giving me. When I give out, it comes back tenfold, quite honestly. Every woman who showed up, it was obvious that everyone added to the experience. And also it seemed to me like everyone had a profound takeaway. You sign up for these, you know, these webinars or these courses, but this is different. You actually are showing up with a group of people people were human. We want to interact. Going into the Boundary Academy, I didn't realize where I needed boundaries in my life. Boundaries is such a large word. So to be able to scale that down and to see how like boundaries don't have to be big and scary. They don't have to be intimidating, but that they can be a part of who you are because they're, they need to be is what I think I didn't see coming but that is so rich and so wonderful to be able to carry on into the rest this year and the rest of my life. These are the voices of women who have attended the Boundary Academy. This is a group coaching program and ongoing community that I run with 14 women from the Council of Boundary Makers. And together, we welcome women who used to be like me, people-pleasing overachievers who secretly feel behind because you know you're capable of more, but you just don't have time to get to it with everything on your plate. 
into the arms of sisterhood to make sure that you finally have both the time and energy to get to what you care about without being pulled in 10 directions or feeling guilty anymore. Because here's the thing, a life without boundaries is not your own life. But having boundaries is definitely not about armoring up or having to be fierce or have big hard walls between you and everybody else. I think the thing I continued to take away was this perspective that boundaries are not walls. That can be intimidating to say, oh, I'm going to sign up for Boundary Academy, but I don't know if I'm ready to put up those walls yet. And that's not what it's about. Boundaries actually are between you and you. It's looking at where do you need to create a boundary for yourself? And because of that, that it's softer. It's not trying to hide you behind a wall, but instead help you bridge across a situation. You see, all my years of research and coaching women in the territory of boundaries has taught me that it's not that setting boundaries is hard. It's trying to set them alone that makes them so tricky. So instead, we use proven methods and good old sisterhood that gives you both the resources, the clarity, and the confidence to have the best career, relationships, and health of your life without it having to feel like as much work as it is right now. So the doors to enroll in the new class open on February 12th and close promptly on February 26th. So this is your window. Head on over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and free instant access to the mini Boundaries Like a Boss course. And I hope to see you in the full academy soon. We rise well together. That's what people need to know is like when they feel like they can't rise up, we're here to lift them. I got to give you a shallow example of this because I think I might have channeled you this morning inadvertently. So <laughs> there's this, you know, I haven't with, with COVID, I haven't bought a new article of clothing in over a year because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. But like I've worn some of my, like they're through and through done. Like they're done. I can get away with a lot of things on Zoom because you can't tell that there's a stain on the, sh- on the shoulder of the shirt if I sit the right way on Zoom, right? I can get through stuff. So this morning I'm looking at this white shirt online, you know, to buy, to buy a new shirt. And it's, it's pricey, but it's a great brand. And I know I'll wear it for a long time. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Do you spend the money? Do you not have to spend the money? And in my gut, I thought, I want to be the woman who's wearing this shirt. Like, don't overanalyze it, Carly, right? And it's not always in moments about spending money or not spending money. But it's if I was living into my ideal self, even just 3% more, what might I do now, right? And this morning it was, Carly, buy the shirt. It's on sale. Like, what are you doing here, Right. But it comes down to what you're so beautiful talking about and grateful about this idea of, do I deserve the shirt? Have I earned the shirt? Could I get away without the shirt? Who am I going to be if I'm the person who buys nice shirts, right? Like all the ways that somehow my identity is wrapped around my purchasing and my sales decisions right? Like how that gets so messy. So in a playful way, you just shared a really profound example, but I want to give my less enlightened example of like, just me as a human being trying to buy a shirt on sale this morning. And like the, the, the script I needed to go through in order to arrive at a decision. And I have no doubt that if you and I hadn't talked last week, it would still be in my cart. Like I ordered it, right? It'd still be in the cart and I'd still be debating it <laughs> if we hadn't had that conversation. And so I think of like, for those of us making decisions we talk about this a lot in the Boundary Academy of 
just making molehills out of mountain and starting with the low cost scenarios where the risk isn't, do I lose my job? But the risk is like, do I get this shirt? If I don't like it, I'm gonna have to mail it back. That's the risk, right? Like there's no big risk there. So I'm so curious for you, as you interview all of these, these brave full women, has there been a particular story or theme that just has really stuck with you? That's really landed. They get to the point where, I got nothing else left. I am drained. I am done. You know, my ego has been totally deflated. I can't take it anymore. And women need to make that decision before they get to that point because it's that much harder to climb back up. Right. And what would it look like? Because I think about to your example earlier, you know, there are moments where the house is on fire and we've got to leap out and it's messy. And that's just, you jump from the second story window and maybe you break a leg, but you get out of the burning building. Right. And that's the way that leap needed to happen. We weren't going to smell the smoke burning until the fire was in the room, right? Right. But, but then to your point, I think level two is how can we not wait till there's a crisis? And how can we trust ourselves that it's not working sooner? You know, like in all the ways we circumvent our knowing, you know, we somebody, there's an area where maybe a boundary would be appropriate, whether it's with ourselves or with somebody else. And we think, yeah, but just this one, like I'll schedule the, the 10 p.m. meeting just this one time because it's fine. Right. And like all those little ways we circumvent what we know actually doesn't work for me, for me personally to do a 10 p.m. meeting. Right. Like I'm not at my best. And so you're you're bringing up something that we talk a lot about. And I'm so curious for you. We talk about how as women we're really good at analyzing the cost of making a change or setting a boundary. But sometimes we forget to analyze the cost of not making a change or setting a boundary. And so I love your example here of, of imagining, like you came to it from the place of positive psychology in terms of, let me imagine what this would be like. What would a day in the life of Amy be like if my primary focus was this braveful podcast and then the joy that that brought you? But also sometimes looking at it on the other spectrum of like, like if you had to guess, if you were in the same job now, if nothing had really changed, <laughs> for those of you, of course, this is audio, this is audio, so you can't see the face Amy just made. But like, what do you suspect might have happened next? If you hadn't made the shift, what do you think would have happened? No, I have never thought of it. To be honest with you, I've never thought of what may or may not happen. And I think that's a place that my mind does not want even to go to. My fear would have been HR lawsuit, something that probably would have even drove more negativity into my life. And that is the last thing that I want in my life is negativity. I think we, I try every day to be a positive source of life for myself and for others. And I think that was part of why I left is that light for me was burning out. And I I can't even go there, to be honest with you, Carla. I can't even think of what that would be because it makes my stomach turn. Because to me, And that's all the information we need, right? It's like just the idea of, I think it sounds like the point is it wouldn't have gotten better, right? Like it probably wouldn't have gotten easier had everything stayed the same. <laughs> like that doesn't look like that's where it was going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and your analogy of the cost and the budget, you wonder if women were to create an emotional budget for making a decision, what does that look like? You know, here's here's debit versus credit side. What would it look like? And that's what I keep thinking about it. For me, I wonder if I would have made my decision sooner to do this podcast and leave if I understood the budget associated inside of of your world, bringing your career, your health, your wellness all together. What if we created a budget? 
And we followed that budget in order to be our authentic self. What does an authentic budget look like? So just for the record, sign me up when you create that or let's get on that together, right? Because we have to do that together. Because when all of us who are analytical, analytical in nature, who like data, who like to be able to visually see things too on a piece of paper, I think that there's also something about seeing it outside of ourselves that can hold us to the reality of, hey, here's how much emotional debiting has happened in my day today. Like that means the next ask, like the bank account is done right? Like my emotional bank account is max, which means the next ask I get or the next boundary that needs to be set has to happen. And it's no longer a matter of emotion. Do I feel like it? Do I not have I earned this? It's just kind of factual. Like here it is, right? You know, and even my husband and I, we have a whole thing about the love bank, you know? So if he does, takes the garbage out, well, you've made a deposit in the love bank because I didn't have to walk, you know, a block down the driveway to take the garbage out in 10 degree weather. And then if he, you know, goes out and does something and he's out forever and he doesn't call, well, then you just, you just took money out of the love bank. So you're teetering, you know, so how do we create our own self love bank? Quite honestly, from a budget, you know, or a budget perspective, what yeah. would that look like for all of us? I'm going to, that's a good one. We're on to something here. I'll add one last thing to that was I can't tell you how many of my clients who, you know, they're on the cover of Rolling Stone or they've done something that looks glorious and they are, they've got money in the bank out the wazoo and they are emotionally bankrupt or their fam- familial connections are bankrupt. Right. And just because of lack of tending to not because of being a bad person or not caring. It's just that all of the attention went to one budget and ignored the others. Right. So like, like there it is, there it is. Well, and God, you know, you talk about the whole work life balance, then you got the whole family, you know, there's another whole boundary lesson right there. Oh yeah. We'll go, we'll have, we'll do a series of episodes on family boundaries. That is its own. (laughs) But when we talk about starting with low risk scenarios, Family, we usually say, like, don't start with the family. Like, family's not where we go to learn boundaries. <laughs> there are very few of us that will have an easy time setting, you know, there's a growing up in the yoga ashram, there was an old saying people would say, if you think you're enlightened, go spend the weekend with your family, right? That was the joke. It's like, doesn't matter how much yoga you do, <laughs> go spend the weekend with your family and see if you're really enlightened, right? And I just love that. It's like, that's not the molehill. That's, that's the mountain, right? I was going to say, yeah. And you know, yeah, we could go off on a tangent there. We won't go. <laughs> well, Amy, I am so thankful for your presence here and this conversation. You're giving me some really fresh perspectives on boundaries, on our budget, right? On the way we right. can listen to ourselves, write our own permission slips for what it was we want to live into. And you just, your authenticity is what I gravitate towards of yeah, it's messy. I did this thing. It felt like a failure, but that's what needed to happen. Right. Well, you know, I think getting messy is, you know, think back to when you're a kid and you play in the mud, you get messy and you go in, you know, let's get messy. Cause sometimes the messier you get, the cleaner you are on the other side. That, that is exactly what I told myself. You just, just get messy, get it over with and move on. Oh, yeah. So the bravery of mess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The bravery, the it's virtue, the virtue of messiness, right? Right. The virtue of good. messiness. Are you game, speaking of messy, to play our messy and magnificent two-way Q&A? Yes, let's go. All right. Question number one. I can't wait to hear your answer to this one. <laughs> Great. Amy, if you came with a warning label, what mm. might it say? Speaks before thinking. 
speaks more thinking. Yep. That's yeah, a good one. Be it. Yeah. So based on our conversation today, what's a question you would love to ask a woman mm. listening? What do you want to know? What does braveful look like for you? What does yeah. braveful look like for you? And I just want to say all of Amy's contact information is here in the show notes too. And we really do encourage you to be in this conversation with us. Let this be the beginning of this braveful conversation, because I think we could spend a lifetime talking just about the cultivation of, of bravery together, ideally. So here's my last question. Even if other people disagree, what is one thing that you know to be true? That we're all going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Disagreements, I think, are healthy. But in the end, I think we need to shake hands, love each other, and agree to disagree if that's how it is. So, yeah, because regardless of what someone else believes, I love them as a human being. And I think we have to hold that as part of who we are. You know, one of the things I always say to my kids, you know, and, and they're adults now, you know, my daughter has kids is um, we never say hate. We always say we dislike them greatly because I think the word hate should be erased from the dictionary. Just the word alone, I think, fosters a level of disagreement. So I, I would rather disagree and dislike someone greatly than to ever hate them. And I would rather hold them up than hold them down. What a level of bravery it takes to be with that right? How easy it is to be all in or all out. I love this person or I hate this person, the cancel culture thing that's so prevalent right now. And the bravery it takes to sit with somebody's beliefs or disposition that you don't agree with and be right there with it, right? And to acknowledge it, to hear it, to listen to it, and to not push it so aggressively away that we create more separateness. Oh, Amy, thank you for bringing forth this thread of conversation about what braveful looks like. Talk about a word to add to the dictionary. Thank you. Braveful. Braveful. Thank you. you. Thanks. There is something so natural about talking with Amy. Her and I are completely unscripted when we're together and beautiful things happen. This just reminds me of the power of women coming together to speak candidly with one another. So if you're like me and you want more Amy in your life, check out the Braveful podcast. I'll also put links to her social media accounts and website right here in the show notes wherever you're listening. More Amy Zygert in our days is a good thing. So you don't have to remember it all, right? This is a recording. But if there is only one part of today's conversation with Amy that you don't want to forget, what is it? I hope you'll put that in a review on iTunes. That's one way to support and elevate more women in having access to this kind of material. And make sure you register to show up for the Boundary Brunch. Head on over to carlyfane.com or go to this link here in the show notes. Even if you can't make it live, if you RSVP in advance, I'll make sure you get a copy of the recording. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including what bolsters your ability to be braveful. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. 
So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else. Oh,